do we want to talk about right. what we have planned next? Yeah, Acorn, why don't you why don't you remind everyone about the plans? I don't know if we've talked about the plans in as much detail. Why don't we talk about the plans in detail and then <laughs> kind of remind them? <laughs> <laughs> okay, Greg, sure thing. Hey there, everyone, and welcome to Avatar the podcast. I am Acorn Bandit. And I am Booster Greg, the <laughs> Avatar. <laughs> that's my favorite introduction yet. I, I have think to say. So too. That's, that's the best one. We had to do something different for the recap episode. We you know? had to. It's a different kind of episode. So we had to do a different kind of introduction. We'll workshop it by the time yes. we get to that recap episode. <laughs> yes. As we said last episode, we are going to be doing a recap or a reliving of our favorite moments, characters, and more from the entire first book, which is the Book of Water. I am very excited to do this. I'm pumped. I am so pumped because I was thinking about this. This feels like the least amount of research so far, but in actuality, it is the most amount of research because every single episode that we have covered up until this episode is all homework, is all research, is all just everything to gear up to talk about the book as a whole, as a total. Are you are you saying this is our like our nine weeks exam? Yes. This this is before exactly we go that. on winter break. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. That's a reference to the American education system for all of our, you know, European listeners mm-hmm. and people from other countries. And we say break, but really it's not going to be much of a break. We're going to be no. doing so much uh in the background. We are going to be editing some more and uploading some more Ang Mail videos. So we have special plans coming up in a future episode that will be ready for you to listen before we start book two. Yes. And we will tell you more on that at the end of this episode. Really? This is less of like a student going on winter break and more like we're the teachers and we're going to be doing a lot of admin stuff and cleaning up our classroom and getting ready for the new semester. We really just have to make an effort to answer everyone too. Everyone keeps on writing into us and we love it and it's so good, but we are behind on on thanking everyone. So we will you will be hearing from us if you've written into us for sure. Yes. One hundred percent. Yes. Have not forgotten you. No, no. I it keeps me up at night sometimes. All right. So before we dive into this episode, we have one final Appa pin to give away. One final button click. Was that kind of a pun? Wait, was it? Because you're, click- just- you're clicking a button, but we're also kind of giving out buttons. Pin, a button could be another word for a pin. That's true. It's kind of a stretch. Kind of a, but, you, you know, know what? I'm all about the stretches of the puns. Yeah, you are the pun master. I, so if you I want to give me best. points for that, I'll accept them. I'll, I'll give you one point for that. We're not going to give more than one, <laughs> but we'll give you the one. Fair. I won't even consult the judges for that one. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It's on the house. It's on the house. All right. So... Our very last yes. Appa Pin giveaway winner. Yeah. I don't need, I, I, there's so many people. I want everyone to win, but it's just not the way it works. I know. Honestly, I was looking at the list of all of these entries and I'm just like, I wish I could give everyone a pin. Yeah. But all we can do I is give you more episodes. Well, they are all winners <laughs> there you go. in my heart. In our hearts. In our hearts. Yes. You're all winners. All right. Let's do this thing. Yes. One more winner. And the winner is. Jessica from Wisconsin. Hey, congratulations. 
Awesome. Congrats. And unfortunately, Jessica did not include the answer. No. Jessica did not include an answer to our question, who out of the cast of Avatar The Last Airbender would be the best cook in why? Jessica. Tragic. How could you? You were the chosen one, Jessica. You were supposed to bring balance <laughs> to the force. Oh, we're we're just going to assume that Jessica was in a hurry, was really, really excited about winning this oppa pin. Yes. And so she just had to get her entries in there. Yep. That, that sounds good. Or we can just say what her answer would be, which I think is very obvious. Let's do it. Everyone knows that my choice is Zhao always and forevermore. Because of the baker. Because of the baker. Right. Yeah. Which... I'm sorry, I have to derail the conversation for just a moment. Yes. We had an incredible piece of fan art come in. Yes, we did. Which we cannot wait to cover in an Angmail episode. So thank you so much. Arthur, thank you so much for that piece of fan art, Ang art. No, we'll come up with a better (laughs) name for it. Yeah. We will. All right. So here's the thing, right? Back on track for the off track. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) We're back on the track of our off track conversation. We'll get back to the main track at some point. Everyone knows that Zhao is my favorite baker, and now it's furthermore illustrated, pun intended, by our, our friend Arthur. Yes. But I think in actuality, Monk Gyatso would be Ooh. the best baker out of all of them because he's already baked. He has a secret recipe for cakes. This is true. His fruit tarts. His, yep. his fruit cakes. So, That's a great point. So, I mean, actually, here, mm-hmm. Monk Gyatso is the best baker in the last generation. Zhao is the best baker in the current generation. I like it. I can have my cake and eat it too. Yes! (laughs) Literally. (laughs) Now, because Jessica did not provide an answer, do we want to take this opportunity to say who we think would be the best baker out of the cast of Avatar? Yes. Well, everyone knows me, but you. I've not heard. I've not even asked. I feel bad. I've not even asked who your choice for that would be. It's okay. I know you don't care about me or my thoughts. It's fine. (laughs) That's not true, kind of. No, it's not true. <laughs> no, it's okay. I didn't mean it. Um, I think the best cook out of the cast of Avatar would be, of course, I have to think about this now. Mm-hmm. I got to go with Iroh, too. Yeah, it makes sense. We've had that answer before, yeah. but it's just, you know, with age comes wisdom, mm-hmm. and that includes the culinary arts. Mm-hmm. He's passionate about tea. Yep. And that kind of dedication to perfection with tea, making the perfect cup of tea, I can see translating to other meals. And also, he's very much a proponent of taking a moment to breathe and be in the moment and experience life and enjoy yourself and rest because a man needs his rest. So I feel like a character like that would bring a lot of kind of zen focus to cooking mm-hmm. which would result in some really good dishes and of course you know what i'm thinking about right now that amazing documentary jiro dreams of sushi on netflix i've never seen it. i've never even heard oh. of that oh it's so good but if it's a food documentary i try not to watch those because it just gets me hungry well see the key here yeah. is to plan ahead you watch your documentary no. and you watch it with some delicious food but that's the problem is i never plan to watch documentary it just kind of happens It's just kind of like, this looks interesting. So the last, well, this is a documentary series. So the last documentary series that I watched about food was Ugly Delicious. And it was literally, I was watching this at eight o'clock in the morning, seven o'clock in the morning. So I was up like really early that day. Well, for me anyways. And they were talking about tacos. And I was like, man, I want tacos. But it's seven o'clock in the morning and no one has tacos at seven o'clock in the morning. That's why. 
because I, I don't have I any self-control. And then that has to make me have it. Well, here you go. Yes. Now you have homework. You can oh, prepare. Man. You can go get some delicious sushi and put on your Jiro dreams of sushi. And okay. also, this goes to any other listeners. If you enjoy the Japanese culture and you like sushi and you like documentaries, do yourself a favor and watch Jiro dreams of sushi. So all of that was just a long-winded way of answering the question. Now we're going to get back to Jessica and say congratulations, Jessica. Congratulations. We are going to be sending you an email shortly where we can collect your shipping address so we can ship you your Appapin. Yeah. Now, let's get into the meat and potatoes. Now I'm just thinking about food the whole time. Thanks. I know. (laughs) Food references for the rest of the episode. Food references for the rest of the episode. So we have a whole boatload of topics that we want to talk about all centered around the avatar universe and more specifically book one so we're going to start this off i know acorn wanted to talk about all the different bending styles so let's start it off with that yeah so we wanted to answer one of the most obvious questions related to avatar which is what bender would we be so just to recap a little bit and talk about the different bending styles We've seen all of the styles in book one, in one form or another. We're going to continue to see them, see how they evolve, how they change. But to recap and go over just the basic fundamentals, water is based on Tai Chi. And Tai Chi is less about strength and more about alignment, body structure, breath, and visualization. The makers of the show thought the softness of the style applied to water. And in water bending, as in Tai Chi, softness of breath can be more powerful than hard aggression. Air is based on Bagua. The style is also known as circle walking because the fighters are known for moving in a circle, constantly spinning back and forth. Since they're always moving, no one can get a solid hold on them. And in combat, the Bagua practitioner gets behind their opponent and puts their hand on the person's spine, which prevents them from being able to turn around to face them. We see this in one of the scenes between Aang and Zuko when Aang is captured. Yeah. They fight in his room and Aang starts circle walking around him and puts his hand on Zuko's spine so Zuko can't get around. And Zuko's flailing and shooting fire everywhere, but that's really what helps Aang get out of that situation. I feel like that was the second episode because they were on a ship and Iroh was sleeping. Iroh was like, like yes. Aang <laughs> poked his head in and he was like, sorry, and just left yeah. and Iroh just passed out. <laughs> Yes, you're right. It was in the second episode. In circle walking, the feet are like the heavy treads of a truck. Anything that gets in between the legs get thrashed. And in airbending, as in Bagua, the constant circular movement creates tremendous energy and power. Moving on from there to earthbending, the Hungar style of Kung Fu was used as inspiration. And the Hungar style is a style known for its strong stances and rooting to the ground. Hungar is a southern tradition of Chinese Kung Fu, and the Hungar practitioner generates power by strong stepping, using low stances and strong transitions from left to right. We definitely see this in the fight between Aang and Bumi in The King of Omashu. Lots of strong stances, Mm -hmm. lots of powerful steps and movements. Yeah, we even see it in the male system too, which is actually funny enough. Yes. Because that's like a very, very clear definition of like a rooted stance is how they just like, are very um I want I want to say rigid in their movements. They're very purposeful and rigid, which was really yes. cool. Yes. Yeah, very direct movements. Yes, yeah, yeah. Hungar is actually based on the movements of animals, 
especially the tiger, which represents hard power, and the crane, which stands for soft power. Sometimes it's called the tiger and crane style because of this. Strongly rooted to the ground, earthbenders use hungar skills to tap into the immense power of the planet. And lastly, we have fire, which is based on the Northern Shaolin Kung Fu. The Northern Shaolin style is actually the preferred method of Avatar's martial arts expert, Sifu Kisu, where a lot of this information is derived from. There's some really great featurettes that you can find on the discs of Avatar or even online if you wanted to watch the visual version of this uh, description for each style. But the Northern Shaolin Kung Fu style is a very strong and dynamic style that uses powerful hand and leg movements. The northern styles of kung fu generally emphasize long-range techniques, wide stances, quick advances and retreats, kicking and leaping techniques, whirling circular blocks, quickness, agility, and aggressive attacks. Many styles of martial arts can trace their origin back to the northern Shaolin style. And just like fire, northern Shaolin is beautiful to look at, but can also be very dangerous. All of that immediately makes me think back to the Agni Kai between Zuko and Zhao. Yeah. I could see that. Yeah. The quick advances and quick retreats, the yep. wat- whirling circular blocks, that quickness, that agility. We saw all of that in in their fight. And so with all of the styles being described, I mean, that is something that I will never stop being passionate about. The fact that they took these very real world examples and turned them into animation to build out this world. Because in doing so, we have very distinct cultural identities for each of the, the nations. Mm-hmm. And so... What kind of bender do you think you would be, Greg? That's a great question. I'm I'm torn between two different bending styles, mm-hmm. air and fire. Ooh, I love that. Because I like how freeing the air style is and especially how Aang kind of utilizes it. And I, and I remember in Korra how Aang's descendants or grandkids or great-grandkids, grandkids, whatever they are, like the little airbenders, how they kind of <laughs> yeah. use it, which is very Aang-like still. But, you know, you can fly around, you know, you can um, really kind of manipulate most of the other elements with it. And it's a a very good overall style. But I also think, I mean, fire is really cool looking too, but it's also, I think it's, it shows a good firebender and with discipline because it could be very easy to be undisciplined with that power because it's all about rushing in and rushing out. So you could, and I, I think it's the very definition of like a hothead. Like, right, like, like, not just like visually and literally, but metaphorically, if someone can rush in, do it, but they can and then be like, oh, no, I haven't uh, analyzed the situation correctly and then rush out. Or you can take the discipline, which goes against your very nature. If you define a bender by the element in which they're bending, just to sit there and watch the battlefield is very much against what their instincts are, essentially. Yeah. Also, you can also fly with fire bending. So... I think it's all about flying. Jet powered. I think it's all about flying for me. Well, it's not really flying. I'm hearing with, that with with air with air bending. It's definitely flying, but with fire bending, it's more like jump packs. So I think it's yeah. the difference of do I want a jump pack or do I want a jet pack? Right. Our our listeners can't see this, but I find it ironic you're saying this because yeah. you are wearing a Superman shirt right now. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's flying. Yeah, I can see that. Um, <laughs> I did also watch that new animated movie this weekend, and I was very happy about it. It was very, oh, very, cool. very good. Um, but anyways, yeah, so like it's like the earth bending was never really appe- appealing to me. Like it's really cool and it's very powerful, but it's just, I don't know, being grounded doesn't really seem like yeah. if, if I could choose one, it's not one I, I would want to do. 
water bending is cool, but like, <laughs> oh a my god, pun in there. I didn't even realize it. But like culturally, it didn't really speak to me. Yeah. The North definitely didn't speak to me. The South kind of did, but not really. Culturally speaking, I think the Air Nomads are closest to what I would want to be. They're just like, they are like a little rigid and set in their ways, but they are are also very much like freeing and, you know, based on what we've seen yeah. so far. So, yeah, I don't know. Maybe the air, but by like a hair, air by a hair. Okay. Maybe. Interesting. What about you? I want to say water for you. Yeah. Well, first I want to say... I could definitely see you as a firebender. Yeah. I think that would be a good fit. I like firebending. It's just so cool. I mean, I feel like that's also the typical guy thing to say is firebending. (laughs) It's the red Ferrari, you know? It is. It really is. Yeah. I think think I'd have to go with waterbending for me too. Yeah. I I was also torn between waterbending and airbending and I have been for years. Mm -hmm. I think what tips me over into the waterbending side is it's a little more grounded than airbending is. Yeah. While I love the culture and I love the lifestyle and the ideology and the bending style itself. I feel like from on a day-to-day basis, I think I relate more to the waterbending style and the waterbending culture. I feel like both water tribes are just very like isolated. You do know I'm an introvert, right? Yeah, that's fair. That's true too. That's very true. <laughs> yeah. Also, probably, also, really quickly, they're yeah. ice, ice-elated. Ice-elated. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I was holding on to that one for a week. Wow. Yeah. I'm impressed. <laughs> yeah. I Obviously, their culture um, could be better. You know, the Southern yeah. Water Tribe doesn't really have a culture in this first season of Avatar. And the Northern Water Tribe has obvious issues with their sexism and patriarchy yeah. and all of that. Um, but it changes very quickly after this book and after Avatar The Last Airbender, because we see when we go back to the Northern Water Tribe in Korra, I do remember it being very different. Um, so I think overall, I would choose waterbending. When we were writing these down, I was like, I feel like Acorn's going to say water. I have a feeling. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Awesome. I think it matches my personality. I also yeah. did Tai Chi for a little bit in college and it was very oh. calming and very, uh, it felt very natural. I didn't know that. That's cool. All right. So now that we've kind of talked about the bending styles and and which ones we think we would like the most or are best suited for us acorn which kingdom would you prefer to live in yeah so taking bending out of it if we Mm -hmm. if this was a conversation about like if you were a non-bender because obviously if i'm a water bender i would be in the one of the water tribes if i wasn't a bender i would probably want to live in the earth kingdom me too i yeah, yeah awesome i love forests i love nature and so to be on a landmass where there's a lot of foliage and a lot of variation too, there's mountains, like we saw Mount Makapu, mm-hmm. as well as, um, you know, I think the swamps are even on that continent, which we haven't gotten to yet, but there's a lot of diversity on the, the continent and there's so much room. Yeah. There's so much to explore. Yeah. Yeah. I just, it, for me, it was a process of elimination Yeah, because I don't really want to live under Fire Lord Ozai's rule and... I don't really want to live in the Northern Water Tribe. The Southern one was very tempting. I think it's kind of weird. I think there's something kind of romantic about how they're redefining their culture in the Southern Water Tribe. Like they still have their um, like sexist ways and stuff like that. But there's such a small group that there's so much potential to change. And for that change Mm -hmm. to grow and expand, I think that's like a really neat idea that I don't think they ever really dive into. 
no pun intended on that one but <laughs> but yeah but but yeah it was like it was a process of elimination where i was like yeah like i think the earth kingdom but then also like boomy is your king which is awesome he is specifically the king of amashu we yeah. haven't gotten to this yet we're gonna meet the the actual king of the whole earth oh kingdom. i didn't realize there there was like a hierarchy of kings yeah interesting i briefly touched on it in the king of amashu and we're gonna revisit it when we come when we go back to omashu which we'll All do right. in a uh, second book yeah well i would like to live in omashu and just like hang out boomy and hear his amazing <laughs> jokes and then hang out with that with the guard who just like coughs at the bad jokes yeah That's you can my... take turns you know yes! send him on break and, and be the cough guy or i could be the joke guy too and get the coughs there you go it goes in so many different ways yeah i want to live in omashu done all right. So this next question I've actually like really been thinking about, and I genuinely have no idea what your answer will be. So I'm yeah. very excited to ask you, what was your favorite episode of this whole entire season? That was really tough. Yeah. I had to narrow it down and I think I got it down to a top four. Wow. List. Okay. Because I couldn't really choose. Okay. So my number four would be the water Benny master. Mm hmm. Number three would be the storm. Number two would be the water bending scroll. And number one would be winter solstice part two, Avatar Roku. I'm so excited that you did not choose my favorite number one. It was tough to choose. I, and actually I'm very surprised. The water bending master, when I first watched this show and maybe the first couple of times I've watched the show, that was probably my number one or my number two. Mm -hmm. And since then, it's bumped its way down to number four. I think I just don't enjoy it as much as I did when I was younger. That makes sense. Yeah. I mean, yeah. like how you perceive the world changes and your tastes change. So that totally tracks for me. Yeah. Um, if I were to choose a top four, my number four would be King of Amashu. Mm -hmm. Number three would probably be Jet. Ooh. Number two is the storm and number one is the blue spirit ah i thought you were gonna pick the blue spirit blue spirit is my favorite episode in this hands down and i think in one of the other episodes i was like oh this is my favorite episode no in hindsight like when i was watching yeah. it i'm sure it was really up there but in hindsight as i'm thinking about everything as a whole it's the blue spirit it has the most themes that i really appreciate it almost has that like i talked about it during the episode that Batman theme or that like vigilante theme, which I really yep. like, especially when it's like good vi vigilanteism and not well, what I perceive to be it, which is like Batman and Green Arrow and like all these superhero ones and not like the Punisher, which I don't really appreciate that much. But yeah, yeah he was very like purposeful. It started the whole kind of not started. It was the first major piece of armor that fell off of Zuko's persona of being the prince of the fire nation right and started being his own person so, yeah. so much happened in it it was so cool and it was wonderfully animated seeing those two fight even seeing zuko fighting without any fire bending was just brilliant you saw him use like broadswords yeah you saw him using practical thinking or, or critical thinking during fighting by using a literal bucket of water to douse fire bending which was brilliant <laughs> and amazing yep yeah the, like, that's just for me absolutely hands down i completely understand that yeah. knowing you yes i think for for me winter solstice part two avatar roku is my favorite episode because it has all the things i love which mm. is um the spirit world uh introduction of culture yeah. world building and the call to action or the call to adventure with roku laying out 
the stakes of you have until the end of summer to learn all the forms of bending. Like it's just so exciting. And then the magma bending. Uh, yeah, that <sighs> We've was talked really about cool. that like what six times now. Yes, I just yeah, I can't. At least that one scene. Every time I watch it, I get goosebumps and I like start to tear up because it's just so intense. It's yeah. so cool. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, there's so many like um, every episode that we've covered. Well, sorry, ninety nine percent of the episodes that we covered have these like brilliant moments and just they keep on drawing you more and more in not only to the mythos but but the the different styles and the characters and even the smaller ones that you never really think to acknowledge in the first go around really kind of pop up and really shine through uh of course that that one percent is the great divide where nothing really important happens you you mentioned side characters and i just flash back to i mean shayu shayu <laughs> That's a reference to our first Angmail video if yes. you haven't watched it yet. Yeah, it's up there on YouTube with editing brilliance, if I do say so myself. But you can pat, you can pat yourself on the back. It was you. good. I will. I am. There we go. All right. Literally even. Yeah. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so I did it. All right. So moving right along, we have something that might be a little I, I feel like people we're gonna ask this question and we're gonna say what our answers are. People are gonna be like, well, yeah, but I still want to just kind of get it out there, get it officially on the books, so to speak. Uh, who is your favorite overall character in book one? Everyone knows what I'm going to say. Katara. You're going to say Katara? Okay. You're going to say Sokka, right? I mean, maybe, but I want to hear more about what about Katara's evolution throughout this season and what, okay, it, what it means. Yeah, let's talk about Katara. So yeah. Katara is my favorite character especially in this season because of her character arc she starts off as a really passionate individual who wants to learn waterbending who wants to realize an aspect of her culture that she feels very passionately about because it's part of her identity she has a lot of faith in the avatar saving the world but not in the way that Yue does which Yue almost sees Aang like a tool or someone who has a, a predefined job like you are the avatar therefore you will save the world versus Katara which sees all of the elements of Aang. Katara sees all of Aang's sides. She sees him as being the avatar, but then she also sees him as being a little boy who's lost from home. And so because of that understanding that she has for him as a person, she's able to help guide him along his journey. And in ways that we've talked about before that are pinnacle, like in the storm, if she didn't talk him down, if she didn't help guide him emotionally through his memories of leaving home, who knows where Aang would be? Probably yeah. not in the position that he was by the end of the episode. Yeah, that's true. I think I really appreciate even the small details of her character. Like we only see her practicing waterbending in the waterbending scroll and the waterbending master. Like specifically, you can sometimes see her practicing in the background, yeah. like in the deserter when she's practicing on the on the, the bank mm-hmm. and Sokka's fishing behind her. But what's implied is she is so driven and so passionate about learning waterbending that she just, she's a self-starter. She just does it. She practices, she puts the time in, she has the passion. And it's that passion that ends up bringing about change to an entire culture in the Northern Water Tribe. I agree with all those points, but she's not my favorite character of book one. Oh yeah, obviously. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, you already called it. My favorite character of book one is Sokka, but I'm, I'm going to throw this <laughs> caveat out there now that you've already answered in length. Yeah. When we do this recap for book two and book three, we are not allowed to choose our favorite character, that same character. So elimination style, elimination style. So Sokka is my favorite character in book one because of the growth that he went went through 
he's not the perfect character when we first meet him. And I really like that. He is a little negative. He's sexist. He's full of himself. He's the man, quote unquote, of his tribe. So he's trying to act in a way that he thinks he should, which we see is actually a trait that came from the Northern Water tribe, I would argue. Through his adventures with his sister and Aang, he's learned not only that was that view wrong, but he's actively gone through and corrected himself and has stopped that train of thinking, at least as far as we can see. It did kind yeah. of like dribble through in uh, some other episodes, but I think that's part of the change is you're not, you can't just go through and be like, and this is happening to me. I'm trying actively not to say guys as like a way to address people. And I mess up and I still say it, but I'm trying to say it less and less. And that's just natural growth. You're not, you can't just yep. be like, I'm going to not say guys and that's it. And that's the end of that word for my vocabulary. No, because you're going to, you go to old habits. So you have to break those. Sokka is able to do that. Also, Sokka is the brains of the operation. Yes. Which is really cool because they could have easily made him the comedic timing, the comedic effect guy who is just he's just there for the joke. And like he's the Michelangelo, right? Like, yeah, from Ninja Turtles. He shows up and he says, like, where's my pizza, dude? And everyone laughs and moves on. But they actively chose not to do that, which was very interesting for 2005. Right. Because from the 90s up until the uh, mid to late 2000s, that was the trope. You had your Eric Matthews, who's just like the idiot, but the charming idiot. And everyone really loves him. And that's kind of the way it goes. Sokka is smart, but he's just dumb in some regards. But he is a brilliant mind. And I really like that about him. I think it makes him feel more real because of that. It does. I really like that this show gives everyone except Zhao. Actually, no, even Zhao. Everyone has more than one side to them. Yeah. It, even with Zhao which I think we'll go into a little bit later, but specifically Sokka, he grows as a character. He overcomes his prejudices, not easily, but he does. And also gets to make out with the moon. <laughs> it's awesome. What an epic tale for a boy from a small tribe. Yeah. I mean, like everyone's like, this is the story of Aang and how he becomes the avatar. But like, think of the story of Sokka and how he goes from being a small town boy living in a lonely world, taking a midnight train, going any. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> like, if you think about like The Legend of Zelda, Link is always this child that starts in this small um, village yep. and works his way up, becomes his hero. That's what Sokka does. Yeah. Oh, I like that parallel. It's very epic. Yeah. And then he kisses the moon princess on the way. And he kisses the moon princesses on the way and then gets to like. Also kisses a warrior, like a badass warrior that's akin to like Amazon warriors. Whose name also means moon. Yeah. It's just this dude just loves the moon. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. What? Waterbenders get their power from the moon. Yeah. It's very interesting that they chose the moon imagery for love interests in Sokka's life because he's from the water tribe, even though he's not a waterbender. Yeah. It's very interesting. Oh, I see what you're saying. Like, that just dawned on me. Yeah. 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 So so he coming from the water tribe fell in love with the moon or someone mm -hmm. named after the moon, which is the source of power for the waterbenders of his yeah. tribe. And then he yeah. also gets romantically involved with someone who's also named after the moon, which yep. again is the source of power for his people. Yeah. And he also becomes a better person with the help of someone with the name of the moon. Yeah. Puts oh, that's right beautiful. Track. That's poetic. Wow. Jeez. It's right there. All right. I feel like I talk about Sokka forever, but. We don't really have time for that. I mean, same. 
about Katara, but it's yeah. <laughs> we have we have two more books to go through. We can, you know, yeah. stick our thoughts in there. Well, well, I assume that the growth doesn't stop at book one either. So oh, they'll no. grow more. It's yeah. going to be difficult for me to not. Here's here's my compromise. Katara okay. can't be my MVP of a book anymore, but she can still be my mm-hmm. MVP per episode. Yes, and yes, she yes, yes, really yes. stands out and I'm okay with that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We don't want to put that big of a of a stop on the conversation yeah. where it's like, I want it to be Katara, but it can't be. <laughs> it's like ignoring no, the yeah. elephant in the room. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So this one I'm so excited to talk about. Yeah. When we were talking about doing a recap episode, I was like, this question popped in my mind first. And I was like, I really want to want to know Acorn's favorite side characters. So what are they? Yeah. I had to think about this. My top favorite side character is mm-hmm. Monkey Yatso. Okay. Yeah. I like him a lot. Yeah. Too. Also, yeah. shout out to Corey. I thought about Corey when I decided on Monkey Yatso because Corey wrote in saying that Monkey Yatso is their MVP for every episode. But yeah. I just, I don't know. I just love him. He's like a bright shining spot in the story, not yeah. only for the way that he affects Aang and as a mentor and a best friend and a mentor. Did I say mentor already? Maybe, but it's yeah. worth repeating. <laughs> as a mentor, as a best friend. And did I say mentor? Also a mentor. Yeah. That's all, dumb. Of course. I want to say yeah. that again. Yeah, for sure. He he taught Aang a lot of really important lessons and gosh, was also an incredibly powerful bender, as we also saw. Yeah, and there's that theory that keeps on being brought up to us about how Monkeyazo took down the invaders from the Fire Nation at the Southern Air Temple, which is amazing. And I think we talked about it on an earlier episode through Aangmail, but I want to just reiterate it just in case I'm A, misremembering, or B, if anyone else forgot this. Yeah. I know Ari was the first to submit this. The theory is that Monkeyazo just like a vacuum took all of the air out of the room that he was in, which immediately killed his attackers as well as himself. Yeah. Brutal. Yeah. There's no burns around him. Um, he seems to be sitting very peacefully, so which would imply that he hasn't been burned alive. Yep. So yeah, it's just it's very brutal. It's very interesting to think about. And it also kind of shows the power that Gyatsu had for sure. Hundred percent. Yeah. Mine, I'm I'm very much torn. There's so many amazing side characters in this. I think it will be no one's surprise. I think everyone's just yelling at their phone or iPad or however you're listening to this <laughs> right now and is saying like, Greg, we all know it's Zhao. Zhao is your favorite side character in book one. You can do nothing but talk about Zhao all the time. And that is very, very true. I love how on a surface level, how one dimensional he seems but when we really kind of boil it down, like as we've been doing, he's almost contradictory in his mentality because we've seen that he can get very hot headed and ang- when he's angry and rushed and just not think about things. But we've also seen him be very, we've said it before, Jedi like in his patience and waiting on the battlefield and just waiting one more day or letting things unfold or, or letting Zuko rush ahead and he trail behind, things like that. That's not one dimensional. He's a very complex character. He just seems one dimensional because he's very super villain like. He's very much just like almost that stereotypical Lex Luthor or um, yeah. mega maniacal like he's going to do it. He's going to kill everyone. And this is just the way he is. But no, he's very strategic. And that's also very evident with how he climbs the rankings so much. And also, his lines are just always brilliant. Yes, yes so, they are. I, I, I love him so much. I think. 
what was really tripping me up is I have very strong feelings about Boomy as well. Like I love. Oh, that's right. You love, I love Boomy. Boomy. Yeah. He's just so sweet. He's crazy. He's really what kind of set up the team for success at a very early chapter in their adventure. Yeah. If I had to add another side character as my favorite, it would be Suki. Yeah. She's awesome too. Yeah. She made a big yeah. impact for only being in one episode. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. She completely helped Sokka begin to realize what he needs to change about himself. Yeah. Which was amazing. So here's the next topic is very interesting. We talk about our MVP every episode. And sometimes I make jokes, but they're really serious, but they're kind of jokes. And I still <laughs> stand by them. And all the time, Acorn gives honest and amazing insight and opinions backed by facts. We did not realize that Rob Logan, the head of the Geek Generation Network, was actually keeping a document. A spreadsheet. <laughs> a spreadsheet about the MVPs of the episodes. So what we thought would be really cool is if we told you from empirical data, I think that's the right term. <laughs> yes, it that is. That sounds like a right term from high school. <laughs> empirical data of who our top ranked characters are for the whole season based on our opinions. Yep. Now, we won't go through all of them because there are some that only get one mention or a half a mention. Yeah, there's basically a top four. There's a top four. Do you want to tell them the top four or do you want me to? I do. I'm going to do it. Okay. All right. Number four. <laughs> was Katara. Yay. With three MVP votes. Nice. All right. And then number three. Was Zuko with four MVP votes. Number two. Sokka with six MVP votes. And now your number one. MVP from book one. Iroh. Hey, it's Iroh. Iroh got a whopping 7.5 MVP votes from us. That's not surprising. That's not though. surprising. Why, have, why am I acting shocked? I am not I surprised. Yeah, when I looked at all of the data here, I was like, yeah, that sounds about right for, for yep. our show. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Iroh, Sokka, Zuko, and Katara. Yep. Mm -hmm. What I found interesting was Aang only got 1.5 from us. I don't think that's surprising for us, though. I think if for people that are fans of Avatar, they're probably like, how can Aang not be even in your top four? Yeah. I think everyone who's listened knows that while we appreciate Aang, as of right now, he doesn't do anything spectacular on the same front that a lot of these other characters do. And by that, I, I don't mean like crazy airbending or going into the avatar state or learning different uh, elements for bending. I think it's all character development. And he's yeah. done some in this season for sure, but none of it has been on that same level as at least three of the four. And we will always just choose Iroh because he is solely responsible for Zuko breaking out of his brainwash state, so to speak, of yeah. trying to reclaim his honor and at least start to rebel against the system that his father runs yes rage against the machine so, yeah <laughs> some honorable mentions who all tied at two mvp votes were suki mm -hmm. shayu appa and bato <laughs> i think it's funny that appa gets more mvp points than Aang. Than Aang. <laughs> I 
made me laugh too. Oh man. Oh boy. That's great. That's amazing. Only here. And Bato. Bato gets more. A character that shows up in one episode. Yeah. It's funny. Well, if it makes yeah. anyone feel any better, Aang got 1.5 votes from us, but then also Avatar Roku did as well. So he's oh, in yeah. good company. Okay. So now this is going to seem like rehashing a little bit, but I want to know who your MVP of the entire book one is. And I differentiate this. I think we talked about this a little bit offline about like the difference of what this is between our favorite character of book one. Yeah. Because although we can have a favorite character in book one, they may not be the MVP of book one because the MVP is very much different. Like there's a reason why we just didn't. I mean, we said Iroh for like less than half of the episodes by the numbers, but there's a reason why it's not all Iroh or all Katara or all Sokka because there are traits that the MVP has that help move the plot along, at least in my eyes. Yep, exactly. This is tough. I'm like, I'm going back in time in my brain thinking about all the episodes Mm -hmm. and all the players. Do you want me to tell mine while you're thinking? Yeah, please. So I hinted at this a little bit earlier. For me, the MVP of season one is Boomy. Oh, I love that. And that's because his lesson with the trials, with the, was it the three deadly trials or whatever he called them, taught Aang and Team Avatar to think outside of the box, to not look at everything at face value. And that lesson, as we've illustrated in this season, even though we kind of forgot it at some points, really just every episode almost just showed back up and was really a focus almost of book one. Yeah, that was shocking to me. Once we established that and then it came up every single episode. I've never noticed that before, but it was such a great theme, a great thread that wove itself through the entire book. Yeah, well, that was like so a little behind the scenes when... We saw that it was episode one, two, three, five. One episode six actually was Kingdom of Amashu, I yep. believe. We were like, you know what? I wonder, let's just keep a little side doc and let's just see how many times this comes back. And we stopped updating that side doc because it was just every episode. Yeah. It just kept on showing up. So even even up until Siege of the North part two, it still showed up because you had your quote unquote helpless princess. Who was just like, oh, it's me. I can't. I'm and it's like a C3PO voice. It's like, I can't even be bothered. Not bothered. That's not right. I can't be seen with you. I am engaged. Oh, oh my. <laughs> but she's actually has the spirit of the moon inside of her, or part of it, anyways, uh-huh. which is incredible. Yeah. It's absolutely like everything. You can't judge a book by its cover. And that's what Bumi taught us. Yep. And you have to think your way around things and you can't just do the obvious choice. That's the whole, that's it. That's so great. And it's so hidden. Yeah. I want to agree with you and jump on the boomy boat, the boomy train, yeah. the boomy bandwagon yeah. and say he's the MVP of the season. But I want to add to that by saying Iroh is my MVP of the season. And I find it fitting because, you know, it's the two elderly characters, yep. Yep. the two old and wise characters that are guiding the youngsters through this world. Um, mm-hmm. But I find it really impressive that one episode with Boomy had such a lasting impact on the narrative of the rest of the book. Because yeah. you're right, every episode, there was some aspect of think outside the box and things aren't always as they seem. All right. So I kind of already said what my moral of the season is. 
And I'm going to stick to my guns on that. I honestly think what Bumi taught us back in The King of Amashu is the moral of book one. Which is? Be creative with the problem that's presented to you. Yeah. Just um, you can't always just judge something right when you see it. You have to be able to assess it and be able to think of maybe multiple ways to kind of get around it. Because sometimes the giant monster chasing the bunny isn't the monster at all, but the bunny itself. Yep. But what about you? What is your moral of the season? I feel like there's so many good ones. And I really love the morals of the episodes that we come up with for each episode. But when looking back on the whole season, I want to say that the moral is family is what you make it to be. Because we not only see that with Aang, who makes Katara, Sokka, Appa, and Momo his new family, but also Zuko. Uncle Iroh has always been there for him. But he's also kind of an adopted family for him. And yeah. it's through these adopted families, it's it's the family that we make that we're able to derive the strength and the lessons and the support that we need to face life's challenges, whether it's getting through the day, finding the avatar, or learning four forms of bending by the end of summer. That's a great one. I didn't even think about that one. That one's really good. Well, I didn't remember so, Boomy, so you know, we got each yeah, other's fair, back. Fair. That's very fair. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it's just so crazy how these like themes were presented in 20 minute episodes 20 to 24 minute episodes yeah and just really like hammered it home where a lot of more modern not even animated series just like super serious hbo series can't quite grasp that can't quite bring that home it's so concentrated yeah i didn't realize how much until i was picking it apart scene by scene and writing synopses for these episodes that I really realized there's so much intention placed in each episode and the decisions, the way that they present information, the way that they build character. And I have to say I'm spoiled now because the two podcasts yeah. I do are about Avatar The Last Airbender and Netflix's original series Dark. And both yep. of those shows share the same thing. There is so much intention in the storytelling and everything means something. And there's no fluff. There's no empty air. Everything drives the point home. Except for the Great Divide. Except for the Just Great kidding. Divide. That's true. That's the weakest link. Yeah. But even that has that like things aren't what they appear to be quite literally with the um the with the canyon crawlers. Yeah. Where they ended up being their mode of transportation out of the canyon, which was, you know, thinking outside the box using that boomy lesson overall. Yeah, that was the redeeming factor of that episode is we still got yeah. our season moral of the story <laughs> still mm-hmm. in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's still in there. So now that we're wrapping up book one officially, what are you most looking forward to in book two? Oh, besides Toph? Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. <laughs> besides Toph, what are you most looking forward to in book two? Oh, man. I'm looking forward to everyone becoming better at bending. I'm looking forward to seeing different cultures because we have barely scratched the surface of the Earth Kingdom. There's still so much more to see and experience. Mm -hmm. So I guess I I could condense that into the world building. You know, I've mentioned before that a lot of book one is is spent going between small village to small location. We really haven't seen much that's big except for the northern water tribe like that's the first time we get to a point in the world where it's like wow there's actually big settlements there's big groups of people who have this really defined culture and it starts giving you a taste of that and i think that just extends into book two and we see that 
open up even more like a flower. So I'm looking forward to that. Uh, I'm looking forward to the Secret Tunnel song specifically. Oh my God. Even though I can just YouTube <laughs> it right now. It's been stuck in my head for about two months. And yeah. <laughs> I'm very excited to watch the full episode of that. If memory also serves, Appa's Last Day is season two. It is. Two. And I remember being almost crying when I first watched that. So I'm very almost? excited to see. Oh, I did. I mean, we've established that I'm super tough and I don't. <laughs> You know, right. cry. You're resistant like to emotions so, and all that. Resistant to all Meanwhile, emotions. Meanwhile, I'm just like blubbering as I watch some of these episodes. <laughs> so I'm very curious to see if that emotion has changed at all, especially yeah. now that like I own my own pets. Like I've had pets before, but they weren't my pets. Now that I have my own dogs and cat. Oh, yeah. Like if, that will, if that will change anything. So I'm very excited about that. I'm very excited to cry. That's a weird <laughs> way to say that. But there it is. Yeah. And I'm very excited to see the further evolution of Zuko. Yes, absolutely. Okay. Well, with all of that being said, I think that is, that's it. That brings that's us home. For, that brings us right home for book one. Yay. Wow. We did wow. it. I, I know we already uploaded and finished that episode, but like this feels like the actual Fine, like finality. Yeah, of it does. Book one. You're right. Doing part one and part two of the Siege of the North didn't feel like an ending, but this does. Yeah. Anyway, what we have planned next, now that we have completed book one, we are going to spend our next episode talking about The Last Airbender, M. Night Shyamalan's mm -hmm. unfortunate movie. Um, <laughs> I. That's a nice way to put it. I, I don't know about you, Greg, but I'm actually looking forward to watching a terrible movie and picking apart all of its yeah. qualities now that we've deep dived into the whole first season which is what the movie covers so i'm yeah. looking forward to that mm -hmm. and we mentioned it before but before we jump into book two we're going to release more of our ang mail episodes on youtube so we can start fresh together thank you again for everyone writing in i'm really yes. excited to spend the time going over that mail as we prepare for book two so you can mm -hmm. definitely be sure to catch those videos over on our youtube channel so if yes. you haven't subscribed yet, please head on over to YouTube and look up Avatar the Podcast and subscribe now. Yes, absolutely. And we would, again, just like to take a quick moment and just reiterate our thanks for everyone that has joined us throughout all of book one. And as Acorn said, all of the love and support that have been shown through Angmail, through the Messenger Hawk, and that would be Twitter the five-star written reviews that have been coming in from all over the world. And a bunch of you have already done this already, but as a friendly reminder, even during our short little break, you can always join me live over at twitch.tv slash boostergreg every Monday and Friday evenings at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. It's been a great time. We, we can talk about Avatar. We can talk about comics. We can talk about the game that we're playing, or we can just talk about talking about things. Talking Whatever. about talking about things. Talking about talking about things. Again, the exception to that is if there is ever an indie showcase that either myself or Acorn Bandit are, will be taking part in. Yes. And we'll be over at twitch.tv slash the Geek Generation as a proud part of not only the Geek Generation podcast network, but the Geek Generation stream team. Yes. I have a, yeah. an indie showcase on the calendar. I'm going to be playing a really fun and whimsical beautiful management game yes i have a one on the calendar as well i am going to be actually i can say this because if you're listening to this episode when it comes out then i think you can catch it if i'm doing my math right 
I will be playing the remaster of Kingdoms of Amalur. So I'm very Ooh. excited to try that out because I never got to play it in its entirety when it first came out. So this will be a lot of fun to really dive into. Nice. Exciting. Yeah. And as a reminder, that is at twitch.tv slash the geek generation. And I'm not moving from my little corner on the internet, which is Acorn Bandit on Twitter and joysons.com for my enamel pin website. If you want to check out anything else related to me, you can find a little handy dandy page on joysons.com, which is J-O-I-S-A-N-S.com slash pages slash acorn. On the topic of enamel pins, we do have plans for book two. And that is all I'm going to say. Yes. I can't wait. (laughs) So exciting. These are exciting times we live in. It is, you know, in spite of all of the, you know, the pile of crap that we've been dished out for 2020. It's it's actually been kind of a good year when it comes to Avatar. Yeah. Yeah. And Korra. And all the Avatar things. Yes. All right, everyone. See you next time on Avatar Avatar, the the podcast. podcast. Avatar, the podcast, is a proud part of the Geek Generation Network. Remember to check out all of our podcasts at thegeekgeneration.com. 